Remember the Thai cave rescue? What about the mission depicted in Black Hawk Down or the epic rescue shown in Captain Phillips? You've probably heard of all of these, but did you know that U.S. Air Force Special Warfare played a pivotal role in all of them? These airmen are the most highly trained warriors on the planet. Other forces like the SEALs and Army Rangers call on them to provide skills no one else can. Not many people make the cut, but if you think you can, visit AirForce.com to learn more. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, WWE Hall of Famer Bully Ray and I dissect, break it down, one hell of a memorable 2021 Royal Rumble. To Edge winning the Men's Royal Rumble to Bianca Belair winning the Women's Royal Rumble and what that means on this road to WrestleMania 37 plus every single match. We dissect it with you, the Busted Open Nation, right now on the Busted Open Podcast. Yeah. Awesome Royal Rumble last night. And let's get into the main show. And you just heard it. Drew McIntyre defending that WWE Championship against Goldberg to start. I was a little surprised that's how they started. And right away I thought, you know what? You're probably going to get a quick end to this match one way or the other. And you definitely did. And Drew McIntyre retains. And you know what? For a match that was only 2 minutes and 30 seconds, they sure as hell packed a lot into that 2 minutes and 30 seconds last night, Bully. Get in, get on, get off, get out. Boom, done, see you, bye. Play the hits, go home. And that's what they did. And it went totally fine. Yep. There was nothing wrong with what they did last night. Perfect way to start off the night. Not shocked by it at all. Um, it, I had went on record to say, I think you could have gotten more out of them. I still think you do. Listen, Bill looks really good. Okay. He's still an athlete. I, I th- th- there, there's more in his tank or, I, or there would have been more in his tank last night from a little bit more of a match, but that's fine that we only got what we got. You know why? Because it worked. And that's all it ever has to do. It has to work. There are times when a promoter uh, will have, has said things to talent, and this is in the past. I don't care if you give me a minute or I don't care if you give me an hour. Just make sure it works. As long as you accomplish what the business at hand is. And the business at hand last night was to get Drew McIntyre over to the, the, the best we possibly could. And what's the best way to do it? Keep it short, keep it simple, keep it effective. And at the end, we got the sign of respect, right? Yeah, we sure did. And the the shaking of the hand, the raising of the arm, you know, Goldberg saying you passed the test, like he got you got my respect, kid. Yeah, that that's what you wanted. Whether like you said, whether it went all right for Goldberg, whether it went eight minutes or three minutes, what's the difference? Like you said, they played their hits. It was fun. It was exciting. And then at the end of the day, you got what you got from Drew McIntyre. And that's all that really matters. And you know what? I wasn't sure how much that would raise Drew McIntyre to beat a Goldberg. But watching the way that it played out and watching the respect that Goldberg gave Drew McIntyre, I 
think it did do something for Drew McIntyre. I think you look at Drew McIntyre a little bit different this morning that, hey, this is one of the legendary wrestlers, a Hall of Famer. You know, this is a test. And like Goldberg said, Drew passed the test. I guess in Bill's mind, he was the barometer for whether or not Drew should be moving on with his wrestling career. And Drew uh, passed that test with flying colors. I I think we we now take Goldberg and we put him away. And maybe in case we need him again for something unique, uh, I'll go back to what I originally said about Goldberg because there was heat backstage with Goldberg and Riddle. Give me a face off of Goldberg and Riddle. Hell, give it to me tonight. Yeah, I mean, listen, if you if you want to continue that way with Riddle and Goldberg, depending on what they want to do with a Matt Riddle moving forward, you could do that. But you know what, Bully? If that was it for Goldberg, you know, and there's a couple of times we thought that was it for Goldberg. I mean, I think once you go into the Hall of Fame, you probably figure, all right, that might be it in the world of the WWE. But I, I think this was a fitting way to end Goldberg's career because, you know, from, from as a fan on the outside looking in, you know, you want that that veteran, that superstar to to pass the torch to to the new champion. This was a passing of the torch, I felt, for, for Drew McIntyre. I think this is a perfect way for a Hall of Famer to go out. And and if if that was the last we've seen a bill, great. Via Dio, walk off into the sunset, go ahead and uh enjoy your time away. In order for Bill to ever come back. It would have to make the absolute right sense, not just a plug-and-play thing, not like, well, we need a name. Who can we get? Goldberg, no. The only way it should be Goldberg, that's why I bring up the Matt Riddle thing, because that was a very real-life scenario. Mm -hmm. They obviously have a little bit of animosity towards each other, so if if they were able to get them to do business in some way, shape, or form, then I'm all for it. But with the Goldberg that I saw have been seeing lately, and Bill did look, you know, Bill's losing a little bit of size. I think you saw that last night. The cannonball shoulders, not as prominent as they were. I'm sure he can still go on the mat. But I think, especially from what I've seen from Riddle lately, being able to hang with a certain level of physicality, I think Riddle would get the best of Goldberg uh, on the mat. So if there's a story there, maybe. But if they just let him tear into each other, that that won't bode well. Yeah. I, I agree. And listen, and Goldberg actually said it, you know, publicly last night. I mean, not last night, but last year at WrestleMania 36, not fitting, not a, not a great way to go out. You know, the story was about Roman because the COVID Roman wasn't able to perform after fighting off leukemia, you know, and they had to change last minute to Braun Strowman and he wasn't prepared for it. He didn't like the change. There was no story going in with Braun, so it didn't make a lot of sense. I don't think that was a good way for Goldberg to go out. We always talk about on this show, when you're a certain legendary status, like a lot of these wrestlers are, you know, you want to see that last time you see them to be a fitting way, a memorable way. I don't think we got that last year. I think we got it this year with Drew McIntyre. I think it elevated Drew McIntyre. And now I'm interested to see what's going to happen next for Drew McIntyre. It could be Edge. It may not be Edge. I'm really interested to see where this is going to go, but I doubted it. But I have to say, you know, here we are the day after the Royal Rumble. I think that was uh, for Drew McIntyre. I look at him very, very differently. So, again, as you said, you weren't surprised that it started. You got two and a half minutes. Drew McIntyre said it was probably going to be about a two-minute match. 
You basically got that. But more importantly, I think it goes back to what you said, Bully. They played the hits. You know, you always say, you know, Detroit Rock City. You want to start off the show with Detroit Rock City. That was Detroit Rock City between Goldberg and Drew McIntyre. Just last week, I was talking about the very specific moves that they should stick to, and they stuck to those very specific moves. That's all you got. It was a Brock Lesnar-esque way of putting a match together, and it completely works. And it will always work as long as you have the right two guys or gals doing it. Hey, everyone. This is Nicole Auerbach, and I want to invite you inside the Coaches Clubhouse, a brand-new podcast from SiriusXM that examines what drives coaches on and off the sidelines. We talk to coaches from all different sports and all walks of life about their passion for the profession, their mentors, philosophies, and stories, and also what they care about when they're outside the spotlight. We'll give you a unique perspective on some of the greats in their profession, from Olympic coaches to Super Bowl champions and everyone in between. New episodes out every Wednesday on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts. And let's get into the next match, and it was another championship match, Bully, and that was for the SmackDown Women's Championship, and that was... Sasha Banks going up against Carmella. What did you think of the two? What did I think of the match? Yes. I thought that the women did a very good job. I tweeted about it that I thought uh, Carmella continues to get better and better with every opportunity I see her get. Obviously, you know how I'd feel about Sasha as a performer and as a wrestler. And I think Sasha helped to elevate Carmella in the ring last night at the you know, with Carmella, it was almost like a tale of two matches. In the beginning of the match, first five minutes or so, I'm like, I could see the rust on her. But once she got moving a little bit and she started to get into a groove, she was improving, she was getting better, her work was getting tighter. I really liked the false finishes. I think Carmella's facials and the way she re- she reacts to things are very good. Yeah, the dive spot... Was dangerous, yes. Good catch by Sasha at the at the end. She tried to get her, uh, you know, an arm up underneath her. What I did like about the dive was the psychology of the dive, because if you're gonna do a dive, do it as an offensive move that you're going to try to win with, which is exactly what Carmella did. She dove out onto Sasha. She got up. She threw Sasha right in the ring, and she tried to win with it. That's why you should be diving on your opponent, not to get a pop from the fans, not to get pops from social media, not to get uh, fans who go, oh, my God, that was the most pretty dive in the world. No, that's not the reason. You're working for a match. And you're working for the psychology of the match. And you're working for the story of the match. And the story and the psychology of a dive is, I'm going to propel myself as hard as I can against my opponent, try to knock them out, out of the ring, so I could throw them right back in the ring and try to win with the move. That's the psychology of a dive, and it should be done for no other reason. And that, and that's what we saw last night. And I got to be honest with you, like, I, th- I think they have pretty damn good chemistry together like they really work well together and i'm not just just talking about moves and their styles i'm just talking about character and personality it's 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 just really good to see those two together i wasn't sold on it i didn't like the way it started with carmella coming back and immediately jumping into a main event program with sasha banks but that's in the rearview mirror i really think carmella showed how good she is in the rink and even in this loss 
I think it really propelled Carmella. I don't think anybody expected Carmella to win this match, but I think she really showed that she belongs having this opportunity like she did last night at the Rumble. I'd love to see Carmella get an opportunity to wrestle every single week. I mean, that's the most you can do right now in the WWE. So if we could get a couple of good matches underneath her belt, I think we're going to see that continued improvement in the ring. Because over her past maybe two or three matches, she has outperformed expectations. And my expectations from her might have been low since she came back because she, it, it almost seemed like she was doing a diva throwback gimmick. Yep. But watching her athleticism in the ring, her talent in the ring, I'm like, give me more of Carmella, the wrestler, because I'm enjoying it. And I really liked her and Sasha's match last night. Yeah, and you know, and kudos to Sasha Banks because Sasha Banks made Carmella look like a million dollars. Like, I mean, you know, it takes a special talent to elevate somebody, and Sasha Banks was able to do it. You know, Bully, we had this discussion many, many months ago when it came to Charlotte and everything else. Sasha Banks has more than proved how good she is. She was our wrestler of the year for 2020, and it definitely showed in that match. Uh, she's something special, and she's one of the greats, and she and she proved that last night Sasha's top of the food chain and I think uh, my early thought process is I want Bianca versus Sasha at Wrestlemania hey everyone this is Lisa Ann and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast the Lisa Ann experience this is my chance to share with you my experiences past and present including how I went from living in the fantasy world of adult films to talking fantasy sports on Sirius XM. Each week, I'll introduce you to some of the people I've met on my journey and invite friends on to help me read through the endless ridiculousness that lands in my inbox. New episodes are available every Wednesday on the Sirius XM app and Apple Podcasts. One of the definitive highlights from the Royal Rumble 2021, and that is the women's Royal Rumble match from last night. And this is going to be a tale that we're going to talk about when it comes to the men's Royal Rumble match as well, and that is an early entrant winning the Rumble. Uh, Bianca Belair, the third entrant into the women's Royal Rumble, ultimately the winner, and what a great moment that was when Bianca Belair won it all. For the past couple of months, I've been speaking the praises of Rhea Ripley, and I also speak the praises of Bianca Belair. It's kind of being, it's kind of being a, a one-two punch with those two. There's always been something about Rhea that resonated with me a little bit more. It could be that heavy metal punk look and the fact that she reminded me of, uh, I think it was Charlize Theron in uh, Beyond Thunderdome or whoever the hell that was in the the last Mad Max movie. So I kind of, I was able to, uh, you know, associate her character with her. I like her look. I like her uh, athletic ability. Like everything about her, but I also like everything about Bianca Belair. And maybe it's because Bianca Belair has been a little bit on the back burner on the main roster where she hasn't been on the tip of my tongue the the way Rhea has been. Uh, I had Rhea winning the Rumble, but I have absolutely no problem with Bianca winning the Rumble. And in in a lot of ways, I think it was a better pick than Rhea. Um... Let, uh, for the most part, I'd say 98% of that rumble was uh, well done. Great job by all of the women involved. I already told you the one or two little negative things that I would have liked to see fixed, but I've been I've been talking about uh, Nia and Shayna now for weeks uh, and how their physicality needs to improve. Uh, when it came down to the last three, 
let, let, let's get the most obvious thing out of the out, out of the way first. The, let's address the elephant in the room. Charlotte Flair. Dave, why did it come down to Rhea Ripley, Bianca Belair, and Charlotte Flair? Uh, for me, it was because of the drama. You know, there's Charlotte Flair. Charlotte Flair is, you know, she's won the Rumble. She, you know, she's a, a former Rumble winner. She won last year's Royal Rumble. Uh, she's also caused a lot of drama within the pro wrestling community where people think that, like, she's always in this type of position. Well, who better to have at the end of that match than the person who's dominated over the last few years, Charlotte Flair? When we talk about the rub and younger wrestlers get it, having an advantage of being in there with veteran wrestlers or older wrestlers, uh, the first one that comes to mind, obviously, been seen in AEW is with Sting and Darby Allen, right? Yes, yes. Darby obviously getting the massive rub every time he stands next to Sting in the in the ring. Do you believe that Bianca and Rhea got a rub for being in the ring with Charlotte last night? A thousand percent. One thousand percent. Because you get, like, just like we were talking about in a different aspect with Goldberg and Drew McIntyre, there's something about beating that legendary performer that takes you to the next level. Charlotte Fair right now in that women's division on the WWE roster is that performer. She is the, at the top of her game, in the prime of her career. And, you know, when you're in the ring with Bianca Belair and Rhea Ripley, you know, she's the favorite to win the Rumble again. You know, she's got Rhea Ripley that's, you know, right f- uh, fresh from NXT and Bianca Belair that since coming from NXT has kind of been like in, in the midst of things but hasn't really taken it to that next gear. Uh, uh, to answer your question, yes. A hundred times yes. There's a reason why Charlotte was in the ring with them last night. There was a reason why Charlotte was in the ring with Rhea and Bianca uh, at NXT this past year. There was a reason why Charlotte Flair was in the ring with Ronda Rousey and Becky Lynch. It's because Charlotte Flair gives everybody the rub. Everybody becomes a bigger star when they're in there with Charlotte Flair. Okay, that's out of the way. Comes down to Bianca and Rhea Ripley. I loved that moment in time where they were both hanging off the ring. And then Rhea's like, wait, let's just chill out. This is not the way either one of us want to go out. Let's do this the right way. Let's climb back in and let's settle it in the ring. This way one of us wins the way one of us is supposed to win. This way there's no controversy. Okay. I got your back, you got my back, but once we get in in back in this ring, we're going to yep. we're going to punch each other in the back. And I'm going to drop you on your back. I loved it so much that I wish Bianca and Naomi wouldn't have done something similar early on because I think it took away f- I mean I liked what Bianca and Na- Naomi did. Don't get me wrong, it was cool to watch, but it also now I'm seeing one of the same things twice. Uh, one of the same pictures painted twice. I wish they would have just saved it for Bianca and for Rhea because it really resonated with uh, with uh, Rhea and Bianca for me. It was about that NXT camaraderie, uh, which I appreciated. It was about that that moment of, listen, you know how hard we've busted each other's ass and beat each other up to get here. Now we're both here. Let's do it the right way. And uh, when it came down to those two, enjoyed it a lot. 
Bianca going over, absolutely awesome. A lot of people really loved that emotional speech that she gave afterwards, and I can understand why. But I don't know if I want to see my superstars cry at this stage of the game. Go ahead. I, 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 I liked it, Bully. I, I, you know why I liked it? Because one of the problems that I've had with the WWE lately is that when it comes to their network and their and their documentaries, I get the emotional attachment and, and the emotional ties. I do not get that a lot of times on their programming. Um, I think that was needed. Uh, you know, listen. After that speech, Bianca Belair is one of their top baby faces in the company. Don't try. Don't come SmackDown and have her try to be like the cocky EST where she disrespects people. Like you, you can't have that character played out on SmackDown now. So wait like, a minute. You're just saying that that character just died last night with that speech. I. I she could no because I thought she did a good job saying, "Hey, I'm still the best. I'm still the strongest." Like she still was able to play it. Like you could still be cocky and good, but yet still have an emotional attachment. You just said by what she did last night with the crying, she can no longer come out on SmackDown and do that cocky esque. I'm the bestest, the fastest, the roughest, the toughest, and this is why I had a problem with the crying. The crying could have happened in the back. You could have got that for social media. You could have got that for the network. I want to see the Bianca Belair who won the Rumble cut that promo. Because to your point, once she starts crying and coming out of that EST character, you just showed your hand. You're like, she can't go back to being that other girl. I can't, I can't boo her. I, 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 after watching that speech and having now an emotional connection with Bianca Belair and knowing the story of, you know, her thanking her parents, like all that. I, I cannot boo. I cannot boo. Now, you could still be a little cocky. You could still think you're the best. But to your point, Bully, and you're 100% right, I am not going to be able to boo Bianca Belair. I so, was never booing Bianca Belair. Were yeah. you? No, I, I, I never was. But, you know, like there's been times where she's been like that heel character. You're not going to be able to do that. There's, you know, there was that was a that was a very humble person that was in that ring that was very thankful for the opportunity, thankful to her parents and, you know, broke down in tears that now, now I'm not saying that was a bad thing. I think it's a good thing because I need those emotional attachments. I am now a Bianca Belair fan that is always going to root for Bianca Belair. To the point, if Bianca Belair is in the ring with Sasha Banks, I'm rooting for Bianca Belair. I am not saying that the crying was wrong. What I'm saying, in my opinion, the crying was at the wrong time. That I wanted a passionate promo from a woman who busted her ass and is now going from the main event at WrestleMania. I don't want tears right there. You can give me tears on the network right afterwards or in, in the next break or in a sit-down interview. You can give me all that. I want that confident EST woman pointing at the sign because now, now WrestleMania is going to be the WrestleMania est, whatever. And the reason I had my point was exactly because of your point. Mm -hmm. 
once you come out of that and you almost you break down your own walls and you start crying now it's like it's to me it wasn't the same person like last night on the yokozuna special uh, i know you didn't see it yet i'm just real quick rikishi was crying rikishi is one of the toughest bastards i know and i see him cry and I want to cry because he's crying. But if Rikishi would have cried uh, 20 years ago, I'd been like, come on, brother, what are you crying about? I get what that's you're my, saying. That's but my no. only, that, that should, and you know what? That could be a, uh, that's a, that's a, you know, potato, potato. I like yeah. certain things. You, uh, tomato, I tomato. Believe, <laughs> I, I, I do believe that wrestling fans these days like their wrestlers a little bit to show vulnerability a little mm-hmm. bit more. And tears are vulnerable. So I can understand how some fans would have loved it. I can understand how I, you can't hate it. There's no, no way that anybody no. can hate it. It just at that point in time wasn't for me. I would have liked to have seen it happen in the back later on. And I understand, Bully, like that could have been a moment where she could have been like, damn right, I won. Like, I'm the best. Like, I, I, I say EST for a reason. You know, how did how could you even doubt me? This moment was made for me. Or you can go the route like that they did where she's she's crying, which to me felt like a real mo- again, a lot with these WWE performers, I need that emotional connection. We get it on the network, but we don't get it on programming, and we got it on like a Royal Rumble, which I thought was fantastic. But I understand what you're saying. Again, it's a it's a tomato, tomato, potato, potato. Though nobody ever calls it a potato, and nobody ever says tomato. I don't know where that song came up with those phrases. It's a tomato, it's a potato. Nobody calls it any different than that so it's a bad example I guess. you've never been anywhere kid you've never been to england they call it tomato in england haven't you ever had tomato i'm not worldly like and, and here's some lingo you know <laughs> check out that tomato <laughs> check out that tomato over there check out the onion on that tomato hey everyone this is former nfl linebacker and current sirius xm nfl radio host kirk morrison and i'm here to tell you about my new podcast total coverage Each week, I'll be joined by some of the greatest minds in the game as we explore the hows and the whys behind the week's biggest results. Whether we're breaking down player techniques, game plans, or coaching philosophies, we'll explain the details that define our favorite performances. New episodes will be available every Tuesday on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts. Now, we talked, obviously, a lot about your winner, Bianca Belair, but let's get into Rhea Ripley for a second. The way she was highlighted in that match and the length of time she was in that match, I mean, her NXT days, I'm sure, are behind her now, and she's either going to debut on Raw tonight or SmackDown on Friday. Where's the better spot for her? I think it's I the the more I think about it now my 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 answer would have been different a couple weeks ago but now I think it's clear and I think it's Monday night raw. Why? Rhea Ripley and Asuka would be a phenomenal match at WrestleMania. See, I see Ed Robinson shaking his head over there. So, Ed, uh you why are you shaking your head? Because you need to continue what happened last night, what started, what has begun, and that's the fact that Rhea Ripley eliminated Alexa Bliss. Aha. 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 No, 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 I don't want that. I don't want that. Oh, you may not that want it. sound like all of the Twitter children. <laughs> oh, I'm tweeting out my frustration. But it's what you're going to get. 
that was probably the most important uh, elimination for uh, Rhea Ripley. That's the elimination that's going to carry on her story. At least that's the way they set the table for me, and I guess it resonated with Ed also. That makes me a little nervous, though, I have to admit. And you're right. You know, they're, they're, though I do think there could be Rhea and Asuka in the future, but most likely you're going to start with Alexa Bliss. But that makes me nervous because now you're getting into complete storyline. And I wonder if that's playing to Rhea's strengths. And I'm wondering if we're going to be looking at Rhea Ripley the same way we are right now after three or four months of being in a feud with uh, The Fiend and Alexa Bliss. Well, the strengths of the main roster is storyline. So that's what you might get. And don't think you're not going to get storyline from Bianca and Sasha if that's not the direction they go in also. True. It's all story driven. You know, somebody on social media just said, oh, that Charlotte, Charlotte getting beat really wasn't that clean because Lacey hit her with the loaded knucks or whatever she hit him with. Well, of course they did. That's the story. You need that aspect of it to tell the story. It's not that wasn't about protecting Charlotte. Actually, I did have a problem with Charlotte last night. What's that? You want to hear this? Here's how's this for brutal honesty? Since everybody thinks I love Charlotte so much, okay? And I talk and and that that I blow smoke just for the sake of it, and not because it's true. Here's my problem with creative in Charlotte last night. If you're going to put Bianca Belair over, let's put her over to the moon. Let's get her over even stronger than she got last night. So what's the one thing that she could have done to get her over even stronger than last night? Well, I mean, the the big thing, though, was the fact that she needed help to eliminate Charlotte. With She needed help with Rhea Ripley in order to eliminate Charlotte last night. Bianca Belair should have eliminated Charlotte Flair on her own last night and then should have went on to eliminate Rhea Ripley. If you're going to do it, let's do it all the way and let's leave no stone unturned. So in that little moment in time, I will agree with all of the Charlotte naysayers out there where creative pays too much attention to uh, protecting Charlotte. Lacey hitting her with the loaded knucks, that's not protecting Charlotte in a loss. That's adding to the Lacey-Charlotte story, which is needed. Bianca and Rhea both having to nail Charlotte off of the apron, that's the WWE protecting Charlotte. Screw that. Bianca's going over, Bianca's going to eliminate Charlotte, and Bianca is going to eliminate Rhea. That's how I would have booked it. No, and I agree with you. I, I might even have had Rhea get eliminated first, and then it come down to Bianca and Charlotte, and Bianca eliminate Charlotte on her own. <laughs> That would have been entirely too much for WWE's creative. They would short. Their brains would be fucking fried. <laughs> it would be like scanners and just heads yeah, starting like, oh, exploding. Hey, boss. Hey, boss. If we're, if we're really going to get her over, how about it come down to, uh, to Bianca and Charlotte and Bianca. Oh, let me show. 
What, what are you crazy? <laughs> <laughs> well, <Judge> smells. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. So I, at least we got Bianca. Oh, imagine what it, the show would have been like today if Charlotte would have won that Rumble match. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. That would have been just like nonstop phone calls about Charlotte. If Charlotte would have won last night, you would have heard the same noise that was made when Alderaan exploded. <laughs> I don't know what that noise is. Shut but up. I, uh, okay. You should know what yeah. that I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, another it's another thing I uh, – go ahead. Millions of know. voices cried out in terror and were suddenly silent. <laughs> oh, yeah, Ed, oh. Ed, yeah. Ed had to like watch that movie before. You know, had to, he had to clean his palate after the rumble by watching Star Wars before he went to bed last night in his Star Wars sheets. But I digress. You know what I love too about the rumble match last night? Billy <laughs> Kay. Like, Billy Kay once again, like. You know, here's the legitimacy of the Rumble, and in the Rumble, it's the road to WrestleMania, and this is a, this means so much because you get to that championship match at the at WrestleMania 37. But like Billy Kay had me laughing out loud once again last night. Do you know how over the Iconics are? How uh, how over are the Iconics, Bully? The Iconics are so over that they didn't give them the moment they deserved last night. Yep. That's how over they are. Because if you give those two, if you give Peyton and Billy the moment they deserve, they steal the show. And we didn't get that. We got very minimal interaction from the Iconics. It's the it's creative's way of doing it. Just Just do it and get it over with and move on. No way, man. They could have set the table. They got to set up for such a moment for Billy and Peyton where when they would have gotten together and they could have hit a big Iconics in the middle of the ring and then you could have gotten Ruby and them. I They totally missed the boat last night on the Iconic reunion. Obviously, love everything Billy Kay does. She is so fucking entertaining it's not even funny watching her you know you know leave ring, ringside every single time like every time she got beat up a little more and she kept coming back she reminded me of eric idol uh it's just a flesh wound <laughs> should be fine <laughs> amazing amazing i would have even and even when she got eliminated i would her to go back to commentary i wanted her back on the desk she's she's so witty she's so funny She's so entertaining. Do more with that woman. And do more with Peyton also. It yes. seems like they got they have Billy in the, in the entertaining role and they have Peyton in the wrestling role. And if that's the case, Billy's going to be more of a success than Peyton because they're going to focus more on the entertainment factor. Yeah, you say that, but then, you know, look what they've done with Otis over the last year and stuff like that where, you know, he was, you know, he was one of the things that we were probably talking about more when it came to some of these shows and now he's kind of become an afterthought and poor Tucker, I don't even know where Tucker is. He's he's MIA poor Tucker after like a great run with Otis. He was on Alderan. Yeah. I mean, I, again, you know, 
we, then we'll never hear from him again. Um, but and that's that, and, and that's that. But you know who I was kind of really disappointed. I was hoping they would do more with last night. That's Shotzi Blackheart. Like the way she came with the tank, shot at you know at Billy Kay. That was tremendous. And really, she. I mean, she was in that ring for a cup of coffee last night. It seemed almost like she got eliminated pretty quickly. Uh, maybe I'm wrong, but it didn't seem like she made really or did anything really significant in that ring last night. I really wish they would have done a lot more with Shotzi Blackheart. When you when you get called up for NXT to be on a main roster spot in the Rumble, at the very least, if you get eliminated, you want to be able to go back down to NXT with something to hang your hat on. Case in point, Damian Priest. Yep. Got eliminated from the Rumble, right? Yep. Who did he eliminate? All right, well, forget about the eliminations, uh, Bully. How about like how long he was in the, the ring for? Listen, no, forget about how long, because that's not what you're going to go take da- down to NXT. You're not going to be like, oh, I was in there for 28 minutes. I was in there for 32 minutes. Who cares? Who's the one person he eliminated that he can hang his hat on? Well, he, uh, he eliminated uh, Riddle. He eliminated, who else did he eliminate? He eliminated Kane. Ding, uh, circle gets a square, end of story. Have a nice day. He eliminated Kane. We were talking earlier about what, you know, a, a legend can do for a younger wrestler. He can now go back and say, I'm the guy that eliminated Kane from the Royal Rumble. Or the announced team can say, Damian Priest, this is the guy that eliminated Kane from the Royal Rumble. This is the guy that stood uh, face-to-face with the big red machine and eliminated him from the Royal Rumble. So that's how you can do something for somebody. Shotzi, she doesn't have anything to go back to no, NXT with. She, she doesn't was, have anything. No bragging rights. She was the first eliminated in the Rumble match with yeah. Shotzi Blackheart. So now you know the difference between now you know that Rhea Ripley is on the main roster and Shotzi Blackheart is right, going right back to NXT on Wednesday. Damian Priest, I would be shocked after the performance that he had. I don't know if he's going back to NXT bully after so, what I saw from him last night. I think he's going to be going on to the main roster as well. Um. Remains to be seen. I thought he looked great when he came out last night. He looked like a star. Yeah. He looks awesome. Looks awesome. All in white. I mean, tall. He's always looked good. Um, He's up there in age a little bit. I hope they have something for him because I really think he can get the job done. Hey, everybody. This is Fran Frischella, host of the podcast World of Basketball. The game of basketball has truly become a global game. Markovic fires it into Mickey. It's somehow it goes in. Each week, I talk with the players, coaches, and executives who have led the way in growing the game of basketball around the world. Real Madrid have stolen victory from the jaws of defeat episodes are available every thursday on the sirius xm app pandora and apple podcasts let's go to the busted open nation let's go to tyler in north carolina tyler what do you want to say about the rumble buddy hey guys first disclosure i absolutely love your show you've helped me get through the pandemic and working from home so big ups for that uh full disclosure i am an AEW mark but i absolutely love the rumble the Owens and Roman Reigns match was flipping awesome. They botched the end of it, but truthfully, it made me like Kevin Owens even more because uh, he had to sit there and literally wait for Paul to uh, unlock the handcuffs and knowing he was going to take the loss. But uh, it made me pop for him a little bit. And when Edge won the Rumble, I absolutely popped. I got goosebumps. It made me feel like I was a kid again. I used to not like Edge, but now that he's back and I'm an older, I'm, I'm a 36-year-old man. 
Uh, I totally love him now, and it just it just brought back that nostalgia feeling like when I was a kid. Um, I, I love the show. Thanks again. I don't really like Raw at all. I think it has too many commercials. It's really hard to uh, get uh, my head wrapped around like what's going on throughout the three hours. Uh, so that's my comment on Raw. I really don't care for it. It's a little too hokey and comical. But I love that comment that Kevin Owens said to Roman Reigns. He said, that's tribal blood. That was on his face. I thought that was awesome. That was, I mean, Kevin Owens, and, and thank you so much for the phone call. And listen, let's, let's talk about that ending quickly, Bully, because that ending should not take away from what Roman and Kevin, you know, did to their bodies in that match for our entertainment last night. You know, Paul Heyman's got mittens. You know, he's got fat fingers. It's hard for him to open up the handcuffs. Stuff like that happens. But he, was it's just, the, he was wearing the Bernie Sanders mittens. <laughs> he's got the mittens. Um, it's, listen, seriously, like, it's unfortunate what happened at the end with, with the handcuffs. That, that does not take away that match. And like you said, creatively, I thought that was a perfect way to end that matchup. And it made Kevin Owens look... You can now continue with this story with Kevin Owens. Because I thought this was just like, hey, they're going to prolong Kevin Owens for this matchup at the Rumble. But now, after watching the Rumble, I want to see Kevin Owens and Roman Reigns again. Why would I not? I mean, Kevin Owens got screwed in that match last night. Uh, I... You you talk about perception and looking at wrestlers. Kevin Owens has been in this business for a very long time. Kevin Steen to Kevin Owens. And, you know, kill Steen, kill to fight Owens fight to stunning the world. Like, I look at Kevin Owens completely different after watching that match last night. He went to another level, I believe, in that match last night. So did Roman Reigns. That was, that, 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 I thought, just a phenomenal job by both of them in that match. One of the most enjoyable last man standing matches I've ever seen. Wow. Great, great car crash. And I've been in a, in a few last man standing matches that I'm very, very proud of because of the psychology I was able to attach to the match and how things made sense and just wasn't gratuitous violence for the sake of it. Uh, last night was very entertaining. Um, K, no matter when KO gets handed the ball, he finds a way to score with it. Um, this is tailor-made for him. He loves this stuff. Roman stepped up to the plate. Whether you get Roman in a regular wrestling match or these last man standing matches, he is shining through. And after watching the Yokozuna documentary, and learning more about the Anoye family and the Samoan lineage and the blood dynasty and everything that's attached to the, you know, the Samoan name. I'm starting to believe that Roman could very well go on to become the best Samoan worker of all time. Right now, in my opinion, the greatest Samoan worker of all time is Eddie Fatu. God bless his soul in heaven. Eddie, to me, was the absolute best worker. Please yeah, understand I, the words that I am saying. The best Samoan worker uh, that I've seen. But I think Roman can surpass Eddie um, because of his, the range that he has been giving us uh, these days. Really love the match. The handcuffs. Every once in a while, something goes wrong that you you try to make sure won't go wrong but it, it just it happened it's a broken play and in that moment in time either something was wrong with the key 
or the lock. And I know people are harping on the referee counting, the second referee coming in and starting to count. Actually, that's what the ref had to do. He has to start counting. The problem is that he stopped counting. He got to five and realized Paul still doesn't have the cuffs undone. So in that moment in time, what do you do? How do you cover it up? It is an absolute split-second decision. So what the WWE did, they panned out, they got the referee out of the shot, and they focused on the handcuffs. Roman was able to squat and get on his feet. And Corey Graves did a phenomenal job of covering it up and saying, well, Roman is in a standing, a seated standing position, however he referred yeah. to it, said, and he would have gotten to his feet anyway. So they did, did cover it up. People took to social media so hard about that. It's almost like they were looking for the WWE to fail. And they found that moment in time and go, there, you see, that ruined it all. The booking, the creative, the psychology, it was all ruined, all ruined. How in the hell can you take that performance of those guys busting their asses and throwing their bodies around, this, that, and the other, and then harp on a mistake that is extremely difficult to cover up? Nobody's anticipating the key not working and those guys trying to stay cool, calm, and collected, you have no idea the panic that runs through your mind when that happens. Paul was most likely, from what I know of Paul Heyman, a mental mess when those cuffs wouldn't come up and done. And you have to stay in the moment, not freak out, not say, give me the freaking kid. You, know, you have to continue to work, work, work. If... I thought that the WWE could have gotten out of that in a different way. I'd be making this suggestion right now. Like I said, split second timing, like being on the field of battle and having less than a nanosecond to decide whether or not you're going to pull a trigger. Do you have a different suggestion of how they could have clean, uh, uh, gotten around that? What could they have done? Because it seems like everybody wants to jump onto Twitter and give their opinion on how bad it was, but nobody has a better suggestion. First of all, it wasn't bad. And second of all, like a lot of people brought you up in the conversation with a lot of the tweets that I read because you mentioned about how the referee should never stop counting and the count me. In this situation, it's completely different. This is not like a referee not counting when, you know, wrestler is out of the ring because that's just getting the wrestler to get back into the ring and that there's rules you need to follow listen they're telling a story here it would have been disastrous if you would have counted the 10 plus i gotta admit bully like you know you mentioned Corey graves like i i thought they did a phenomenal job covering it up i i i really did because if you want to get on the, to the essence of the rule about being on your feet he was on his feet so yep. like I, I, I'll admit it until I looked at social media, I, I, I thought that was a great way, not of just covering up. I thought that was a great way of just prolonging the story that he was in a squatting position on his feet because it's a last man standing the match. Now I know you're saying you're supposed to be standing. I get it, but there's ways to get around certain things. I thought that was a clever way 
of getting around it. I mean, I guess, Bully, if I had to have time to think about it, because I do have the time to think about it, Heyman and Roman did did not have that gift of time in that moment. So I guess if you gave me some time to think about it, maybe Heyman could have gotten a little physical, you know, pushed the ref off of his feet so he, he would have stopped the count or something along those lines. But honestly... That's not as good as what they came up with. So I'm kind of stretching there. It did not take away from the match. This idea just popped into my head. I mean, we saw Roman pull the first referee in at the nine count. The ref got knocked out, right? Yes. If in that moment in time, Paul would have just stood up and punched the referee right in the face, so be it. They would have had to send another referee, and at least it it would have bought them time. Yes. But, But that's like... In that split second, when something like that is going wrong, you don't have much time to think because you're not just thinking about how you're buying yourself more time. You're thinking about the entire production of this and how it's being shot and the story that's being told. Somebody on social media goes, well, why couldn't they just let KO go over and just change their plans for WrestleMania? Come on now. Dear, dear God. Dear God, when you start chiming in with stuff like that, you prove what's wrong with some fandom in the world of wrestling and how fans look at this in such a myopic way. If this was, I guess you could have gone that way. If this was just a match, you know, Roman Reigns was a champion. He didn't, you didn't put all this time and effort into a story that's, that's one fans over on SmackDown. That's the best story going in the WWE right now. Come on. Like it's a small, and you want to know something, bully? It's a small, this didn't ruin the match for me. So you're going to, you're going to cost the entire storyline and your plans for WrestleMania 30. 37 because of one little error at the end of a match. I thought they did a good job playing it out. I thought Roman did a great job in the squat position. I thought the commentators did a phenomenal job covering it up. It, it is what it is. It's a little tiny mistake. Let's not take away from the story that they were able to tell in the match and how they put their bodies on the line for your entertainment last night. Come on, people, please. And most of the people that chimed in were the WWE haters or the AEW people who were like, well, like they picked out. You said they mentioned me. Well, Bubba gets on the referees at AEW. Yes. When you are counting to 10 and two wrestlers are fighting on the floor and you get to eight and stop counting because the lazy wrestlers on the floor don't know what the hell they're doing and he can't come back into the ring? Yes, then the re- it's the referee's fault for not stopping counting. Last night, different story. The ref had no <laughs> no uh, 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 other way of getting out of this. And you know what else is going on? That referee has an earpiece in, and he's being told by Kevin Dunn or Vin what to do. And I'll be damned if that ref is going to keep counting after Vince just told you, stop counting. Hey, everyone. This is Nicole Auerbach, and I want to invite you inside the Coaches Clubhouse, a brand new podcast from SiriusXM that examines what drives coaches on and off the sidelines. We talk to coaches from all different sports and all walks of life about their passion for the profession, their mentors, philosophies, and stories, and also what they care about when they're outside the spotlight. We'll give you a unique perspective on some of the greats in their profession, from Olympic coaches to Super Bowl champions and everyone in between. New episodes out every Wednesday on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts. And your winner of the 2021 Royal Rumble, Hall of Famer, Edge.
Uh, yeah, yes, he is. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I agree with Phenomenal. you. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. Didn't see it coming, Bully. Uh, wonderful story in the match. Wonderful story with Randy Orton. Like you said, Randy Orton getting carried off. You do, and I'll go back to what you said earlier in the show, you do the way that they did it by the fact that it wasn't hidden, the fact that they were carrying him off and the commentators were talking about it, that you were going to get a return from Randy Orton. But they duped you. Randy Orton comes in and almost immediately gets eliminated uh, by Edge. A phenomenal job. You know, you're talking Shawn Michaels territory going one to finish. And you got that from Edge. And it continues the story with Randy up to a point. Because now it's about what Edge said in his promo a week ago. And that is a world championship. And now it's which world championship is he going to go after? Drew McIntyre's WWE championship or Roman Reigns' universal championship? You know, it, it's it's going to be interesting to see what he picks and um, which direction they go in. I... I, I I, I was I was a bigger fan almost of Edge and Christian reuniting, of Christian being in the ring for the first time and God knows whoever, than uh, Edge actually winning. Edge winning is not a shock to me. Um, very happy for him. I think I'm more happy for Christian just because seeing Christian be back after he had to you know retire from wrestling, he looked great, was able to do some great stuff out there. Maybe we're going to get an Edge and Christian tag match leading into the Rumble. Could definitely see that happening. Um, men's rumble, well done, uh, enjoyed a lot of aspects of it. Something just, uh, just came across the old Twitter machine where I, at least I just saw it and I'd like to read it to you and get your take on it. Sure. All right. And this is really out of left field. I didn't plan on talking about this, but like I said, I just saw it. Here was a, a tweet from Mustafa Ali last night. I don't know if you saw it. He says, I'd like to be the first one to welcome back all of the senior citizens that will surely take away opportunities from hungry, hardworking individuals on this glorious road to WrestleMania. Well, at first, at first, listen, what is your uh, opinion on that? Well, I mean, this goes back to Mustafa Ali um, at the Rumble last night. You know, Bully, we've talked a lot that you get more from the retribution storyline on social media than that you do on WWE programming. Last night, what did Ali do as soon as he got to the ring? He went after Edge. And Cole put over it and said, hey, you know, Ali has been very, very vocal on social media about the returning superstar, the veteran coming back for a WrestleMania payday. And you know, finally, they recognize that in WWE programming. And now you get that tweet. Well, you know what? When Ali said it a month ago, you were like, ah, you know, I can understand that. You know, here we are with this Monday Night Raw. They get a pop in the ratings. They bring back the, you know, the legends and the superstars and they don't have any faith in the current roster. Got a point there. After what we saw last night, uh, it's not as good as a point as it was a month ago, and here's why. Number one, Goldberg did the right thing in that match with Drew McIntyre. Two-and-a-half-minute match to put Drew McIntyre to the moon. You know, last night with Edge, the guy didn't come in at 28 or 29. Edge came in at number one. 
You know, he was in that ring for an hour last night. Hell, if you're going to get that type of performance from, you know, the quote-unquote age, legend, and veteran, I'm okay with it. Senior citizen. Senior citizen. I'm okay with it after what I saw last night because that senior citizen and edge had the performance of a lifetime. Am um, I wrong? Am I wrong? You're you're dead on balls accurate. Now the beauty of Ali's character is he can say all this stuff and always say he's doing it in character. Meanwhile, he truly believes it as a straight up shoot. And not singling out him, but there's a lot of um younger talent who have always felt this way throughout the years. And I I have always felt that One day, when you become as over as those talents who asked get asked to come back or invited back, you're going to be in the same position, and you're going to feel a completely different way because you're going to finally have your eyes opened to the business of the wrestling business and how things really work. Are there any real opportunities right now for younger wrestlers Can you give me a specific, because one doesn't come to mind, of an opportunity that is there for a younger wrestler right now that a veteran wrestler is stopping or blocking or impeding or hurting? No. Um, One is not coming to mind. Like, outside the world of the WWE, Sting comes back, but that's obviously uh, to put over Darby Allen to another level. Uh, Goldberg came back, which I doubted, was very, very afraid of, but it was to put Drew McIntyre to another level. Edge last night with the Royal Rumble, it's to continue what we thought was one of the better stories. It was our feud of the year for 2020 with Randy Orton and Edge. And again, you're going to be putting Edge in a ring with either Drew McIntyre or Roman Reigns, which I think is going to put one of those champions to another level as well. Um, You know, you look at the women's division in the WWE. I don't think this is an issue or a problem by any stretch of the imagination. So I'm going to say no to that question. Um, And with the, with, you know, senior citizens, is Edge a senior citizen? When you could put the performance that he did at the age of what, 49 years old? Um, Again, again, bully, you know, we're seeing a 43-year-old man in the Super Bowl next week, this weekend. So if you could still, like, is anybody saying Tom Brady should retire? Tom Brady is holding back another quarterback. You just said something so important. If you can still. Yes. And now fill in the blanks before and after that sentence. I don't care if it's with sports, acting, pro wrestling. If you can still get the job done, put asses in seats, get yourself over, get other talent over, have WrestleMania main event matches, have uh, um, uh, if you can still cut great promos. That's the only thing that matters, not your age, not if you're a younger guy or an older guy. And if you're a younger guy in the wrestling business who believe an older guy is standing in your way, then fucking run over him. 
Yeah, I mean, now it's your because opportunity. Because that's what, that's the way it used to be. So why don't you try your hardest, no matter in which way, shape, or form, outworking him in the ring, out talking him on the stick, or out politicking him in Vince's office. You find a way to get the job done, and you get your spot that you think you earned or deserve more than that senior citizen. Now, you know, here's the reality. The average age of the wrestler in that Men's Royal Rumble match last night was 39. There's only two wrestlers under the age of 30. Now, you could say, like, well, wait a second. They got to get young. Hell, I mean... You know, when I when I talk about AEW, I talk about, you know, the younger wrestler and people get on me about being an AEW mark. Well, you know, they're too young. They're indie-rific. Well, I mean, you know, either you either want it to be younger or you want it to be at an age where they have full trust that they have enough wrestling under their belt to be in the position that they're in. All right. Bully, and I actually added a little age to Edge. He's only 47 years old. Yeah. AJ Styles is 43. I don't hear anybody talking about AJ Styles. He's aged himself out. He's not at his prime anymore. He's taking a position from the young. Does anybody say that about AJ Styles? But nope. he's four he's four years younger than Edge. Four years. Uh you know, our truth, who in a lot of ways has been saving Monday Night Raw, he's 49. He's older than Edge. I think truth is older than that. I think he's a year or two older than that. Think about that. If and I think the biggest thing there are examples. If there's examples of like an like if go if Goldberg beat Drew McIntyre last night, and you want to have that kind of an argument, I, I can have that argument with you. But, but even like, if Goldwood would have won last night, it would have been to, to set up a potential match rematch at WrestleMania, at WrestleMania where Drew yeah. could have won in defense. So what are we supposed to do? Take Goldberg out, and I'm just going to use Ali as the example because he decided to send out a tweet. Would that be a bigger WrestleMania main event, Ali versus Drew, than Goldberg and Drew? No, it's not. And, and, and no, and, and like, again, I think the key here, and by the way, Bully, I didn't see any of these tweets like from, you know, fans could be very, very jaded. I didn't see any f- tweets from fans last night saying, oh, really, Edge? Ugh. Oh, the guys, there you was, know, the guys, for, there, there was, was, I didn't, oh, okay, there, there was, was, there, I was actually getting tweets from fans complaining that other fans were burying Edge for going over. That to me is mind boggling. What about his look? What about his skills? What about his performance last night? For what reason would you be upset that Edge won? Why wouldn't Edge win? Why? Because you wanted uh, Mustafa Ali to win? Is he your main eventer at WrestleMania? The only story I want to see right now with Ali is Ali and Kofi. You know why? It's real. There's your story. No? Yes? I mean, or or this is a story about, like, Ali with the age veteran because it's storyline related. You know, again... 
when when he when he sent that tweet out a month ago, okay, coming off the heels of that Monday Night Raw, where you know what, for three hours, hey, you could be using these legends to to put your younger talent in a position to succeed. I, I'm with you, Ali. I, I and I said that on the show. You're a hundred percent right. This is ridiculous at this point. Bringing back the age veteran veteran just to pop a rating. I don't I don't need to see Hulk Hogan anymore on Monday Night Raw. All right, we've we're we're we're, we're past that. And what was the number one thing when, when what did I what did I say I wanted to see with Hulk Hogan? You wanted to see, you know, in, in you know, specifically, who did I want to see beat Drew down McIntyre. Hulk Hogan? No, McIntyre. Retribution. retribution. I wanted to see Retribution okay. beat down Hulk Hogan. All right, but you didn't get any of that. Instead, what they did is they, you know, the stupid joke with the the Hogan phone and all this other type of bullshit that isn't funny, isn't entertaining, and it's just like, hey, we we, we hold these age veterans under this glass. But, you know, but Ali had a point where it's like, all right, they paved the way, but when am I going to be able to walk on this road? 100% behind him, understand his point. But when it comes to moments like what we saw last night at the Rumble, you have to earn that position. That's not about perception. That's not about getting an opportunity. That's about taking it to another level. And to go back to Bully's point where it's like, if you still can, then do. Edge still can, so he does. I don't have a problem with it. Listen, and if Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs beat up on Tom Brady and the Bucks on Sunday, then that's a pass, passing of the torch of Brady to Mahomes. Now, Mahomes has multiple championships, and now Brady at the age of 43, maybe that will be his sign to say, you know what, maybe it's time. But, you know, when a guy at 43 is going to the fucking Super Bowl, it's not his time yet. Edge coming back from injury, being in one of the best stories in 2020, our feud of the year. I'm sorry, I have no problem at all with Edge winning that Royal Rumble last night. And, again, if you put him in at 29, all right. The guy was in there for a fucking hour, Bully. An hour. I completely agree when they dedicate entire Monday Night Raws to returning veterans and they don't use those returning veterans as sacrificial lambs or stars that younger talent can get a rub from that's what it's for but if i see a tweet like that you know i want to welcome all the senior citizens well one day you're going to be a senior citizen in the in this wrestling business and will you be able to do for younger talent with these senior citizens are doing now. Will you be that over when you're a senior citizen? When you're 43 like AJ Styles, will you be as over as AJ Styles was in order to give back to the younger talent? When you're 49 like or 47 like Edges, are you going to be one of those senior citizens who can give back? Because age is going to happen to all of us. We're going to all creep up there. So where will a talent like Ali be? And this is where it comes down to the two uh, words 
that I have lived by my entire career and I think every other wrestler should live by. Get over. And I don't care what that takes. And I bet people are going to be saying like, well, don't you see Ali's promos? He is over. He is over. He cuts great promos. This is great. This is great. Great. You're not getting over with the right person then. You have to get over with Vince. So walk into Vince's office, kick down his fucking door and say, what's the problem? Why are you not giving me more opportunity? Vince wants you to establish a relationship with him. Vince wants you to take it. He wants you to go out there and do whatever it takes to get to the top of the game. So maybe that's something you need. I'm not just saying Ali. Any talent who feels that way. Go for yours. And politicking, which has such a negative connotation in the wrestling business, politicking is a positive thing. Also, politicking is going to the boss and presenting your case, presenting your story, presenting your idea, and getting it to fly. That's politicking. Politicking, most of the time, politicking is, well, Vince, you know, this one guy kind of sucks, and maybe we should, we should, you know, take him off the card. That's the bad, disgusting politicking that should never go on, and if somebody politics like that, you should just punch him in their face. The good politicking is presenting ideas and trying to get the boss and creative to go with them. Doesn't that, uh, Dave, tell me, I mean, to your wrestling fans' ears, does that make sense or not? Yeah, it it makes 100% sense. Now, I understand with creative, there's a lot of curves. We talk about NXT, and a lot of these younger wrestlers on NXT, when they go to the main roster, they don't have the creative freedom like they did on NXT, and some of them are dead in the water. You know what I'm saying? And that's some of our fears. Like right now, I'm a little afraid of a Rhea Ripley if she goes into a certain storyline on Monday Night Raw. But again, like, you know, this is kind of the fear of, you know, when when you look at it and listen, bully, when you talk about Edge, it's hard to argue with Edge winning that rumble with what he was able to do last night and what he's been able to do since he's come back from injury. But is it a problem, Bully, about, you know, the average age of the WWE superstar on the main roster? You know, is it a, is it a problem that, you know, a lot of these wrestlers that we're talking about that were in that rumble last night are in the mid to late 40s? Like, is there a problem, like, if you want to get a younger audience, which we know, Bully, the audience for the WWE does skew older, where AEW skews younger. Does the WWE need to make a conscious effort of creatively using some of their younger wrestlers differently than they are right now? Yes. I will agree with that, that creative has a um, responsibility to get their younger talent over. But if you're mad, disgruntled, upset, whatever those words are, that you believe senior citizens are going to take your spot, well, then go into the boss's office and tell the boss why you deserve that spot or why you have earned that spot more than said senior citizen. Tell Vince why you want more promo time. Tell Vince that you want your promos that air all over social media, that people love to the moon. You want to cut those promos on Raw. Tell Vince that I want a senior citizen to, to buzz through. You got to do what you got to do. A couple of weeks ago, it was either on Talking Smack or Raw Talk. Who did uh, who did R-Truth look over and say to, man, you're not going to get anywhere with that kind of demeanor? I, I think that, that was Ale. That was Ale. And remember, I came on the show and I said, Truth was actually shooting on him right then and there? Yep, you did. 
I believe that that kind of demeanor could be something that Ali does or maybe other younger talent does. Listen, to be quite honest, I hear about it across the wrestling spectrum right now. It goes on in all companies with younger talent thinking that maybe they deserve more as opposed to earning more. You are an independent contractor. Vince McMahon has a responsibility to his fan base to put on the biggest and bestest and greatest and most wonderfulest est show <laughs> that he possibly can that's going to make his company money. Are you one of those guys or gals that can get that job done? If you don't feel that you are, then you need to make yourself a priority somehow, some way. It's it's a it's a fascinating discussion because you're right in a lot of ways, but in a lot of ways, like, and I'm just using Ali as an example. Yep. Like Ali is he's he's got a tough task. You know, he's with Retribution that we thought was going to be a big de- deal, and it's been a complete disaster, bully. It really has. Now I'm hopeful. Actually, the most hope I've gotten from Retribution since this whole mess has started is from what happened last night because they actually took something that went on with social media and they brought it onto the programming with WWE. So for the first time since like the first couple of weeks of this story. I'm actually interested to see what happens with Retribution tonight on Monday Night Raw. But this is where the creative process comes in. It's hard to get yourself over if you're not given a good you know, piece of meat to chew on with the how story. Much me- how much meat does Billy Kay get to chew on every week? It, not much. And she makes what the most you- of it. And she makes the most of it. And there you have it. She we all mo- can agree that nobody does more with their t- makes most of their time than Billy Kay. A hundred percent. You're right. That's a great now, argument. Um, if if I'm in creative and I would have saw Ali's tweet today, I'm running to find the first senior citizen talent that fits the role and puts them in there with Ali. Give me that story. We also have the Kofi Kingston story. Could you imagine Goldberg? walking up to Ali and telling him, I, I kind of take exception uh, to what you said. And Ali goes, what do you mean? What makes you think I was talking about you? And Goldberg's, well, you told senior citizens. Who else could you talking about? And then Ali goes, you know what, Bill? You're right. I was talking about you. You stand in my way. You stand in my guy's way. You stand in this whole locker room's way. You're exactly what's wrong with the wrestling industry. And I would love to run you over, but I know the powers that be would never allow me to run you over. And Bill, someplace in the back of your senior citizen um, mind, or maybe forgetful mind, because you're starting to get Alzheimer's, maybe you know that I could run over you. There's your story. Boom. Done. Thanks for listening. Catch us Monday through Saturday on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM. Fight Nation, Channel 156. The Busted Open Podcast. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.